Today's scripture reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18. We'll be reading verses 21 through the end of the chapter, which is verse 35. Once more, Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. Hear the word of the Lord. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me. I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off, had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray once more. Dear Jesus, we come to you with grateful hearts for all you have done, for all you are doing, and for all you have yet to accomplish. But in faith, we know you will because of who you are. On this Palm Sunday, would you be present with us? Lead our thoughts lead our emotions, lead our bodies as we come before your word to submit, to hear, to understand, to respond. Speak, O God, as we, your people, seek your face, your heart, and your way. In Jesus' name, amen. As we know, Today is Palm Sunday, when Jesus enters Jerusalem openly proclaiming, I'm the Messiah. No more secrets, no more questions. He openly declares who he is. And the people in the city praise God for his coming, though in reality, they don't understand the nature of that coming. It marks the final week of his life here on earth. Initiates his week of suffering, Passion Week. 
and moves us towards Good Friday. As we celebrate this time and continue in our series, Healed and Made Whole, we see a connection because to be healed and made whole requires that Jesus make a triumphal entry into our hearts and into our lives, that he breaks the barriers within us and establishes his righteousness so that we may be freed from everything that binds us. Truly, it is Jesus who breaks every chain. We began the series, Pastor Soon and Pastor Yvonne and myself, through these last few weeks. And if you've missed any of these messages, I encourage you to go back and listen to them. If you need to re-listen to something, re-listen to it and allow God to speak in your hearts. We began with the foundation. Jesus makes us whole. Christ is the center. He is the source of all healing and all wholeness. And we talked about healing in our relationship with God. His intent for us is wholeness, peace. Jesus came to restore our broken relationship with God. We talked about physical healing and how once more Jesus came to heal our wounds and to make us into instruments of his healing. We spoke about the inner emotional nature that we carry with us and how that gets damaged. Inner healing. God invades our brokenness through Jesus, who came to free us from that brokenness of sin and make us whole. We spoke of healing from demonization. Jesus conquered every power of darkness and and brings to us freedom when we allow him to work and heal us from Satan-inflicted wounds. Today, we we reflect on healing in our relationship with others and focus specifically on the necessity of forgiveness. That will empower us in so many ways to overcome the evil one, to embrace other people in relationships, to find healing in ourselves. And we've seen so clearly over the past year and the past few weeks a very real brokenness in the world and in our local communities. Our world is broken. People are broken. Relationships are broken. Whether we are addressing societies, ethnicities, or personal relationships, we see ruin. We experience the affronts of racism, injustice, and violence on the macro level as we've weeped these past two weeks with violence in our nation once more and the killing of innocent people. We experience on a personal level hatred, apathy, and a failure to recognize the humanity of another. We harbor hurts bitterness, and anger toward those we perceive to be the cause of our problems. And those very hurts, bitternesses, and anger become our captors. They, in a sense, become our masters. We are bound in our ability to release and overcome them. 
They define our relationships towards another. And we are trapped. Is there a way out? We, may, we might ask. And yes, today there is a way out, which we are going to address by thinking about forgiveness. And so when we begin to think about forgiveness, we approach Good Friday, and we remember that from the cross, one of Jesus' final words was, forgive them, Father, for they don't know what they are doing. Forgive them, Father, for they don't know what they are doing. The people who are killing him right there, the people who are torturing him right there, whether it be the Roman representatives and guards or the people whose sin Jesus is dying for, he cries out to his Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Boy, if if we could just remember that simple phrase, They don't know what they're doing. So often when we're being hurt, the one offending us doesn't know what they're doing, I believe. And yet the pain is very real. Likewise, Stephen, when he was being stoned to death for being a witness of Jesus, said, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. We see examples of forgiveness. We see examples of freedom. To have that within you, that ability to forgive and ask the Father to forgive as well, is incredibly powerful and it represents an incredible freedom. There are no chains on Jesus, there is no chain of hatred. In Stephen, there is no anger or bitterness towards those who are afflicting them. There is simply compassion, mercy, love, and concern. Forgive them. They are not held captive by their captors. These are examples of forgiveness, and there's something really unique in these, in that we see in each case, forgiveness flowed not only before the offender apologized, but not even knowing if they ever would apologize. You see, we we say, I'm waiting for an apology. I'm waiting for someone to show remorse. I'm waiting for someone to repent. And yet, in the case of Jesus on the cross, and Stephen, when he was being stoned, said, no, I am going to be proactive in overcoming what could turn into offense, what could turn into violence in my own heart, what could turn into aggression and anger and bitterness, never knowing what that the other would actually turn away from what they had done, recognize what they had done. And we tend to live with that sort of mentality when it comes to forgiveness. Somehow, we, we think forgiveness must be earned. Show me, and then I'll forgive. Do something that demonstrates to me that you are somehow worthy of being forgiven. And then I will forgive you. Now, do, you, do, do we see how that keeps us captive? Because our forgiveness depends not on our own generosity, if you will, 
but it depends on the other's actions and what I expect from them in their response of remorse. In a Bible dictionary, it talks about forgiveness in three ways. It says, forgiveness is the wiping out of an offense from memory. It's, it, it goes away. It's as if it never happened. And it, you know, in Psalms 106, it says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. I actually think it's Psalms 104. Uh, it, but it also says that it can be affected or given, granted, forgiveness can be, can be granted or effective only by the one affronted. In other words, there is no second person or third person forgiveness. The person who is offended is the one who has to pay the price of forgiveness. Forgiveness is never free. In the sense that if it is against me, I have to bear the pain of that hurt or that affront and let it go. I have to pay the price of release for that to happen. Someone else can't step in and forgive on my behalf. If I have been affronted, I am the only one that can forgive. And then it says, once eradicated, the offense no longer conditions the relationship between the offender and the one affronted. Harmony is restored between the two. The Bible stresses both human forgiveness and divine forgiveness. It's not just one way God forgives us. Once we are forgiven, we become agents of forgiveness. We are freed ourselves by forgiving others, and we free others from their guilt and condemnation at having offended us. You see, in forgiveness, there is a great generosity. In today's passage, we find a story of a forgiven debtor who turns out to be unforgiving himself. As generosity was poured out upon him, he did not reciprocate that same generosity towards another in a similar situation. We begin the passage in verse 21 with a question of Peter. He says to Jesus, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? And you can almost sense in Peter here, a man, I am being generous. I'm being generous. I should forgive him seven times. Does that sound good of me? Does that sound kind of me? Peter thinks he's being generous. Now, how many of us have felt this same question? How many times do I have to forgive you for this? I forgive you, you turn around and do it again. And I forgive you and you turn around and do it again. And I forgive you and you turn around and do it again. How much? At what point do I cut off the line and say, enough? See, we, we feel that way. And Jesus' response is a bit unnerving. It is unsettling. It is very uncomfortable. We would like to ration our way, reason our way out of the logic of Jesus' statement. And yet it dangles over our minds, unescapable. What is Jesus' response in verse 22? 
I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times, or seven times 70 times, depending on the interpretation of, that, of, of the way those words are put together. We see essentially Jesus saying, forgiveness is generous. Forgiveness is generous. In Luke chapter 17, verses 3 through 5, in the account there, Jesus said, If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times a day, and seven times come back, comes back to you and says, I repent, forgive him. The, the apostles said, I love the response, the apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. How can I do this? Is the question, right? This is nuts. Jesus, how can I keep forgiving when it's just, it's just, it's saying turn the other cheek over and over and over. You see, there is a generosity to forgiveness. In today's passage, verse 24 says this. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. There was no way he was going to be able to pay this. This is an unpayable debt. That's the emphasis that is going on in the passage. The number is so high that this servant is never going to be able to repay that debt. It is an unrepayable debt. And that, in reality, the gospel message is we all have an unrepayable debt. We can't pay it back. And yet, what happens when the master encounters his plea? In verse 27, the servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. The generosity of our Lord. A generosity of forgiveness. It is canceled. It is wiped out. Now, who paid the price of that forgiveness? The master to whom the money was owed. He paid the price. And again, we see that pointing towards Good Friday. And what Jesus will do on the cross, he will pay the price that we cannot pay. We see that reflected once more in this passage. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, it says this, But I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. To whom do you extend forgiveness? Not just to those who are close, but to those who may be distant as well. Indeed, there is a generosity of forgiveness that we are called to in our Lord. So where does this come from? Where can we, what can motivate us to this kind of forgiveness? What is our motivation for forgiveness? And the first thing that we notice is forgiveness flows from forgiveness. Forgiveness flows from forgiveness. In other words, we who have been forgiven, who have experienced forgiveness, live in a state of forgiveness, right? We are free because we have been forgiven. Therefore, 
we can extend that freedom to others. We can free them and be sure that we maintain our own freedom by extending forgiveness. In the end, what happened in today's passage? Verse 35, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. In other words, you have forgiveness in your life. You have been forgiven. Now, let that be a motivation for forgiving others, for passing your generosity on to another. There's a sharp warning that says we really have not experienced forgiveness. We've only gotten away with something if we do not become agents of forgiveness. You see what I'm saying there? If we do not become agents of forgiveness, then we only feel like we've gotten away with something. We have not experienced the fullness of the forgiveness that has been granted to us. We see in Mark chapter 11, verse 25, it says this, when you pray, when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so that your father in heaven may forgive you your sins. So again, there's a correlation between our extension of forgiveness and our reception of forgiveness. What is this doing? Our motive is also that we may grow in Christ likeness. This desire to be like our Lord, who loves us, who is generous with us, who is forgiving towards us. When we practice these same things, we are actually reflecting his character and growing in his nature. And so to grow in union with Christ becomes a part of our motivation in extending a generous forgiveness towards others. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 12, 13, 14, 15, it says this, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Wow, there's there's kind of, that, that sets it up, doesn't it? As we have forgiven our debtors, lead us not into, into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. Again, the warning, the genuine experience of forgiveness leads us into a life of forgiveness. Luke chapter 6, verse 36. Be merciful, just as your father is merciful. I want to grow up to be like daddy. You know, that's our heart, right? I want to grow up to be like my father. I want to grow up to be like my Lord. We get to practice that in the exercise of forgiveness. Jesus said, freely you have received. Freely give. How can we do this? Well, we're going to talk about the practical of forgiveness. How? How may we do this? I've prayed and thought about the practice in my own life with other people who I've walked this path with and put together, again, a short little application list. Maybe not so short. First, seek union with Christ. He lives in us. Amen? In Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, it says, if anyone opens the door 
I will come into him and live with him, dine with him, sup with him, and he with me. Christ lives with us. Jesus has united himself to us. If we have invited Jesus into our hearts as Lord, his character comes to life in us. God develops Christ-like character in us through the practice of forgiveness. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ. In Christ, God forgave you. In Colossians 3.13, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Again, this is Christ living in us as we are united to Jesus. When we focus on the act that we're trying to do, we take our eyes off of Jesus, who is the source of enablement to carry out that act. And so first, be sure that we are seeking union with Jesus, that he is living within us. Without this, we will never be able to thoroughly and completely forgive. It takes two, Jesus in me. And that's what empowers it. Secondly, in doing the above, seeking union with Christ, bring the problem to God. Sit with God and tell him your problem. Explain the difficulty you're having forgiving someone. Lord, this person wronged me. They messed me up. I am angry. I am bitter. I, I want revenge. Lord, I'm struggling with this. Be honest. God knows our hearts anyway. God can handle the truth. And he will. So bring the problem to God. Explain that you're having difficulty. Try to offer it to the Lord. Third. Talk to someone you trust, a sister, a brother in the Lord. Perhaps it's a pastor. Perhaps it's a family member. You're not trying to gossip. You're not trying to slander another. You're simply seeking advice and accountability. How often are we encouraged by a listening ear of someone else? And how does it bring accountability? When we've shared it with someone else, it, it actually brings a freedom when we share it with someone else. Next, focus on the positive. What do I mean by that? The one who offended you, they have some good qualities somewhere. Try to focus on the blessing that has come in your life through that person. We all make mistakes, and sometimes. Having been offended, it's difficult to overcome. Be understanding in regards to their context. We're not trying to make excuses for wrong behavior, sinful behavior. But apart from grace, who is above this? Even as I am, have been offended, I have offended others. And so we realize that grace is a gift that we all need to both receive and share. Focus on the positive, the blessings that that person may have brought in your lives. Next, remember the difference between intention and interpretation. So often, we are hurt because we assign an intention to another person when that may not have been their intention 
at all. They, it may, what they did may have actually come from a, a good place or a place of misunderstanding. Interpretation is how I understand that. And so I understood it to be this. That may or may not have been that person's intention. And so discern between those two, and we might find an easier path towards granting that other person a little bit of grace. Next, think about your own forgiveness, as we've talked about in today's message. The one who is forgiven much loves much. Think of our own forgiveness in relation to God and relation to others. It is liberating. It is freeing. Would we deny that to someone else? Finally, look at the long-term results. Reconciliation. The relationship is no longer held captive by bitterness, by hurt, by anger, by resentment. I've seen people let go of long-held grudges, and I've seen the freedom it's brought into their lives. I've seen the healing that it's brought into their lives. I've, I've seen the, the expression change. Hardness melts away, and softness takes its place. In this case, the one who forgives is no longer captive to that pain. To that event, to those words, but freed to love again and to live in fullness. Now, remember that forgiveness takes time, usually. None of us are perfect. And though God's forgiveness is perfect, we find ourselves thinking about it again, and, and, and the pain comes back and we relive it. Go through the steps again. Bring it back to Jesus. Seek union with him. Develop habits of forgiveness. Walking this path on a regular basis. This is an essential part of healing in our relationships. And it is what Jesus came and through the Passion Week, through Good Friday, through his death, practiced on our behalf, embraced on our behalf. So let Jesus live in us. And through his life in us, may we too practice the freedom of forgiveness and find healing in our relationships with others.